This week on the Journalism.co.uk podcast, we hear from Yasser Han, former editor of The Debrief, Al Jazeera's podcast series that took audiences beyond the headlines. If you're a fan of storytelling podcasts, you're likely to have enjoyed episodes from, for example, The Reveal from the Centre for Investigative Journalism, Dirty John from the LA Times, The Moth, Love and Radio, Criminal, and of course, This American Life with Ira Glass. Last year, international broadcaster Al Jazeera launched its first podcast called The Debrief. The series lets audiences listen in to the conversations between reporters, analysts, filmmakers and photojournalists working for the publisher around the world. But this wasn't going to be a typical behind-the-scenes series. Yasser wanted listeners to understand what had been witnessed by the reporter, what it had taken to get the story and how it had affected them. A lot of people have done this thing in the past where, you know, it will take you behind-the-scenes type of productions. And we weren't interested in that. We were interested in getting to know A, what our reporter had witnessed on the ground, and B, what that did to them and, you know, how how they experienced the story. So if you look, if you listen to the Rohingya episode, for example, you know, this was one of the first times that we'd noticed correspondents coming back in the field visibly, uh, you know, visibly shaken. Um, And these were seasoned journalists who had been out in war zones and all that sort of stuff before, and they were coming back completely shaken. And we thought, well, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, um, I always thought about podcasts as conversations that are privileged access, right? You know, our audience almost never gets to hear um, the kind of stories that you hear on, you know, on the on the debrief, you know, stuff that makes you think, oh, wow, this person who is who tells me these stories every day. <laughs> is a human being uh, who's going out to these places and, and meeting all these people who are going through some terrible things and who are triumphing every day, who are overcoming every day. And uh, we never, you know, our audiences never get to hear that. So I thought of the podcast as these privileged, convers- uh, you know, privileged access conversations or, you know, privileged access sort of audio experiences where our audience would get to um, get to listen to things that they normally wouldn't otherwise. You know, stories affect us when we are, when we're out in the field, um, and a lot of times, and 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 that that effect that stories have on us um, is, is also a you know it's it's a story worth telling, but often that gets pushed to the side because you know we and rightly so we you know we feel well we're not the story we're there to tell the story, but this is an important part of the equation that I I think needs to go somewhere. That's number one. Number two, um, you know, we, in our intro, introductory episode, we made this promise that, you know, most people tell you where the missiles are fired from, where we'll tell, tell you where they, you know, we'll talk, come to you from where they land. And it, again, that's true of a lot of, um, you know, news coverage is that we are always coming at people from Geneva or Washington or London. Um, very rarely do we come with stories of overcoming things from points of impact, we'll we'll come we'll come out with stories about you know of, of victimhood from from the points of impact, but never stories of overcoming. And uh, and I think we wanted to do that bit as well. If you listen to the Yemen episode, you know these are two aid workers who are every day overcoming 
Saudi airstrikes and all the horrors that those airstrikes bring. Um, I mean, those stories would have gone completely unsaid. And we went with aid workers deliberately because these are the people who are not just victims, but also people who are helping other victims, right? So, you know, this was a unique sort of position, situation to be in. And that story would probably never get told because a lot of journalists see aid workers as well. They're aid workers, so they're, you know, on our side. They're not on the other side. No, no, I'm chasing Ilyas uh, <laughs> in the dark, in the staircase. I'm actually having my phone as a torch. Mommy, <laughs> what are you doing? You're listening to someone living through a war. Mommy, bye-bye tomorrow. Uh, for, for the fifth time, I'm promising him over and over, especially this week that I'll take him out. Mommy, tomorrow we'll go out. This is 27-year-old Sukaina. She lives in Yemen's capital, Sana'a. And right now, she is trying real hard to keep her two-year-old boy entertained. She's one of two people we're meeting in this episode who'll take us along for a day or two of their lives in a country that's been under constant bombardment and a blockade for close to three years. I'm Jasmine Bayomi, and you're listening to The Debrief. The Debrief, which ran from September to December last year, took listeners to the places where the publisher reports from, often being where we, as audiences, would likely never go. Al Jazeera employs journalists from 50 countries, reporting on stories from hundreds of places around the world every single day. Instead of generating brand new content, though, the team decided to use footage for the podcast from journalists who had been out reporting a story, repurposing material where they could. We realized that a lot of reporters were coming in, a lot of correspondents were coming in, producers were coming in, and you know they'd get to do the news and they'd get to do a film, but there was so much that just that had just remained unsaid. Um, and these would come out, you know, in conversations in the corridors, or you know, when you're out for a drink, or when you're out having dinner, and you know these other stories would come out. Um, and we thought, well, you know, why don't we, um, why don't we tell people these stories? And initially we tried this experiment with um, Facebook Live, where, you know, somebody comes in from the field, we put them in front of a camera and we have a little chat with them. Um, but what we also realized was there was all this material that was coming with them that never got used, that never got, you know, played, that never saw the light of day. Um, and then when Facebook Live sort of went, its, went it in its own direction, uh, we had always been thinking about a podcast, but we didn't, hadn't quite nailed, well, what are we supposed to sound like? You know, because it's a television channel, it's a website, it's an online presence. And we had no idea what we were supposed to sound like. And we said, well, let's, why don't we try a few different things? Uh, the core idea being that we are coming, we're going to tell stories uh, from the field, from the points of impact, um, all of these stories that reporters are bringing back, but you know, and we can use the material that they're bringing back in terms of the audience. But yeah, let's try a few different formats and see what we sound like. And that's, you know, in, in the true spirit of Al Jazeera, I suppose, you know, Al Jazeera itself started as, as this huge, big experiment, um, and we decided to start experimenting. It was wet. When I stepped out, it was slippery and it was wet. Uh, what I saw, I had never seen in my life before. 
You're listening to Shaukat Shafi, a resident photojournalist, talk about what he saw at a Rohingya refugee camp in Cox's Bazar in Bangladesh. Suddenly it started raining. It started raining and that made it very worse. There was a truck at the center and there were more than 1,000 people around the truck. The production team consisted of four people living in three different countries, in different time zones. They'd never done a podcast before, and all of them had full-time positions elsewhere in the company. So how did the publisher get started? With the launch of anything new, it's always difficult to convince people to participate in it because it's something unknown, it's something small, it's something off to the side, and I'm too busy making television. And I'm too busy writing this big expose for for the website. Um, so initially, we went after the low-hanging fruit. Uh, and by that, I mean, we didn't go after the stars, let's just say that. So we didn't go after sort of the heavy hitters. We just went after two or three people who, you know, um, were had the time and the willingness to experiment. And once they did that, what we started doing was we started sending out, emailing the links out uh, to the podcast saying, you know, we launched this thing, great storytelling by XYZ. This has been the feedback. And we basically told people, hey, look at this neat little thing that this person did with us. And then pretty soon, the heavier hitters started coming to us saying, hey, when are you going to let me do a podcast? It happened to us when we started doing Facebook Lives, for example. You know, people told us to bugger off in the initial stages. And then a year later, I was getting text messages from Mosul saying, don't you dare let me leave here without doing a Facebook Live from people who told us that they didn't have the time of day. So, yeah, that's, that was our strategy all along is to, is to go for the quick wins and then use those quick wins to, to influence the, the harder gets. Find out we have a resident photojournalist, Shogat Shafi, with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. You're from Kashmir. You've done a lot of reporting from there. And tell me about the time you were picked up by police. It happened in 2011. Uh, I still remember the date. Uh, it was 19 August. There is a place in Kashmir. Uh, it's in capital city of Kashmir, Srinagar. It's the, one of the biggest mosques in that area. It was a Friday. I went with my three friends uh, to take the pictures over there. It was just normal Friday prayers. But uh, after the Friday prayers, there were some protests. And we started taking the pictures of the protesters. I was uh, on the front lines, like uh, from the protester side. But I was uh, near a shop. I, I thought if police will come, they will catch the protesters, not me. But I was taking the pictures and the police came from behind and they arrested me. I was shouting, hey, I am from press, but they didn't listen to me. And uh, when they dragged me to police station and they started beating me, there were more than 15 people beating me together with bamboo sticks. Uh, where was that? On the street? For the most part, a week to two weeks was the production time. And remember, we were a four-person team because this really wasn't sort of a project that had the blessings of the granddaddies at Al Jazeera, right? You know, they're, um, so, you know, we just had to make do with what we had. So we had four people. Um, um, I'm in Canada um, because I'm on sabbatical. I've moved, uh, I mean, I've left Al Jazeera and I've moved back to Canada. Um, uh, Lorenzo Colentinanu, who's our um, audio editor and audio producer, he is in Romania. And then we had two people in Doha. I had said to my bosses, was, just treat this as, as a pilot, not only in terms of a podcast, but also in terms of a workflow um, with an international production team. 
that's spread across three continents. We'd have a meeting, a Skype chat every Tuesday morning, my morning there afternoon. And uh, we'd have another sort of brief chat on the Sunday as, as in like, you know, the final script, you know, you know, first listens to the rough cuts and whatnot. And in between, um, Slack was our friend. So this whole thing would be produced on Slack. The team didn't give the podcast a massive promotional push, something that Yassar said he'd work to improve if he was to venture on another podcast. Most of it was done by word of mouth. The team found that promoting a podcast on social media was really hard, as Facebook audiences are looking for quick-fire video content, not really an audio experience to lose themselves in. However, as Al Jazeera still gets a lot of traffic to its website, the team would put new episodes on its main page, gaining each episode a lot of traction. As Yassar mentioned, the idea of the debrief, showing audiences how journalists got the story and how it affected them as human beings, was initially done over Facebook Live. Correspondents would come back from the field and the publisher would grab them for a quick live stream and interview them about their experience. But the trouble was, traffic wasn't great, because frankly, that's not why people watch Facebook Live. So the team decided to harness the power of podcasts where people would be fully engaged. One of the biggest advantages and at the same time disadvantages of podcasting is, you know, your audience has to make a decision to consume it, right? I mean, there's about three steps involved in, in going to iTunes or going to, to, the, to the podcast page or going to your app you know, look or, you know, looking up something that somebody has recommended to you, clicking on it, listening to it and going, huh, maybe I'd like to listen to some more of it. And I mean, there's several, there's a, quite a few active decisions as opposed to social video, for example, that just kind of happens on your timeline and you decide in about three seconds. So I think the intent is a lot stronger. Um, the intent to consume the content is a lot stronger um, with podcasts because your audience is coming to you. Two other things that I find amazing is one, I can listen to my podcast while I'm making dinner. It doesn't entirely consume my um, all of my senses. I can I can do it while I'm feeding my kid. I can listen to it while I'm about to doze off to sleep, uh, or when I'm on the subway. Um, and the last one, the most important one, is the degree of intimacy. Right? You know, I'm in your ear, telling you things um, that you know that there's not as much detachment as there is with video you can you can still have that distance between your hand and the, you know the screen in your hand and you know your your mind but with podcasts it's in your ear the, the level of intimacy is astounding a big thank you to Yazahan there for speaking with us and for those of you that haven't listened to the debrief yet make sure you subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts for more podcasts from journalism.co.uk please visit our website mm-hmm.